You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast, where you'll learn how you can use direct-to-fan marketing strategies to grow your fan base and generate income from your music with no record label, radio, airplay, touring, or press. And I'm your host, John Ojaka. All right, John Ojaka here, and thanks for tuning in to episode number 29 of the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about what it takes to uh, chart on Billboard, what it takes to land one of those much-coveted Billboard chart positions, Uh, not so much from a, a... sort of numbers perspective, although we will be talking about that, but more so the mechanics of, you know, what do you do if you're a musician who is embracing the kind of direct-to-fan marketing strategies that I teach here at musicmarketingmanifesto.com and selling music uh, through your own site as opposed to going through iTunes or CD Baby or one of these sort of middlemen companies that do take a cut of your potential earnings. So again, uh, I advocate that people, you know, sell directly to fans through their own payment process processor of one sort or another. So how do you go and make those sales count? And uh, it's it's not as easy as many might think. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit uh, later on. We're also going to do a quick catch up with Josh Solomon from The Empty Pockets. Uh, Josh was on episode number uh, 22, I think it was. If you haven't heard that, you definitely want to go check that out. It's been a very popular episode. And uh, since then, he's released even more music and had even more success. So we're going to do a quick check-in with him and just kind of hear how things are going. Uh, A little bit of, I guess, just housekeeping slash news slash shooting the breeze with you guys. Uh, But as you, as you, probably know, uh, maybe don't if you're a first-time listener uh, to this this show, uh, but I started uh, musicmarketingmanifesto.com way back in 2009, and ever since, I've been teaching musicians how to market their music with direct-to-fan marketing strategies. Now, uh, this means uh, instead of going out and doing the old, uh, you know, hit the road and, and get your music on Spotify and iTunes, and if you build it, they will come kind of approach that most musicians are, are ultimately ultimately embracing, I teach musicians how to use primarily the internet to build an automated system for selling your music. And at the core of that, at the core of that system is a concept that I don't think a lot of people have a strong grasp of or, or, or uh, understanding of, and that's copywriting, this word, this concept of copywriting. Now, copywriting, that means essentially, uh, or, or it is essentially the art of using words to motivate people to take action. And at the end of the day, whether we realize that we're doing it or not, um, that's what makes the world go round, at least, at least on a business level. When we write emails, when we create a website, when we post things on Facebook and Twitter, uh, if, if our goal is to have people engage or take some action, maybe listen uh, to some music, maybe click on a link, maybe just, uh, you know, leave a comment and, and, and even more obviously, maybe buy something. If that's our goal, then we are engaged in the art of copywriting, again, whether we know it or not. And it, it really is a skill and there really is an art and a formula to it. And a good copywriter is really, it's, they're, they're worth their weight in gold. And it's, it's, it's actually a fact that many copywriters charge tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars to write, um, sometimes some, some fairly small amounts of text because the value of the right words is profound. And for us as musicians, when we set up these systems, because again, these are static systems that exist online. We're, we're 
using email automation, uh, specific website page templates and things like that to build relationships on mass. We're not just getting our music out there, but we're building a tribe. We're having people sign up to our mailing list and then our email autoresponder takes over and builds relationships just like you would if you were going out into the world and sitting down with, with fans and telling about your life and asking about theirs. We're taking that fundamental uh, bonding process and we're doing our best to automate it with uh, the written word and, and sometimes video and things like that to walk a person through the different psychological stages that they ultimately need to be walked through to feel comfortable taking an action, which of course in our case is listening to our music and hopefully buying it. So I can teach a lot of this stuff and, and I, and I, and I do. Um, but Probably for years, one of the toughest areas or one of the areas where I see things break down, you know, people can follow my steps and build the websites and do all of these these things that are so, you know, uh, fundamental to to building these systems. But people get a little bit lost when it comes to using words to motivate people, the art of copywriting. Um, I think there's a lot of confusion. Um, it's not a one-size-fits-all answer, so you really kind of need to understand some fundamentals if your uh, writing is going to be effective. But be because of a lot of, well, frankly, new projects, I think a lot of you have heard me uh, talk about the agency that I've started that's direct to fan International. You can learn more about it at DirectToFanInternational.com. I've been working with a lot more artists hands-on uh, and through the Insider Circle where we're uh, always engaged in discussions in the forum. That's my, my mastermind program, and you can find more about that in the nav bar at MusicMarketingManifesto.com. Um, but but recently, my focus has been on copywriting and a lot of the, the problems that I'm seeing people uh, encounter over and over and over again. And, and for the most part, we can always push through them. Um, but it, it takes, you know, a bit of work. And, and while copywriting is absolutely covered in music marketing manifesto, and I have lessons on it all throughout insider circle, I thought it was time to kind of create an advanced course on copywriting for musicians. So I'm going to be doing that. It's going to be sort of a workshop and it should come out in the next uh, few weeks. So I kind of wanted to just kind of give everyone a heads up about that and and to be looking out for it uh, because I think this is going to be interesting. I'll, I'll tell you right now, this is not for everyone. If you're new to marketing and uh, you know you want to go and set up your Facebook page and start getting some fans. This is not the course for you. But if you dig this marketing stuff, you've been with me for a while, you want to really go deep into the art of selling um, as as it applies to your music and your music career, then I think you're going to dig this. So just kind of wanted to give you a heads up that this is coming. I'll be releasing a copywriting for musicians uh, workshop. That's not 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 sure if that's even the title just yet, uh, but I'm putting the pieces together now and you should be hearing more about that coming up. So again, be on the lookout for that. I think it's going to be exciting. It's going to be the first course of its kind that I put out where uh, we really go into some high level uh, music marketing, uh, uh, ner nerdery, geekery, I don't know, uh, stuff. And so uh, I know I know that I have a lot of different uh, experience levels here listening to this podcast. Um, and so again, I know that this is not going to be for everyone, uh, but I know uh, I, I can think of quite a few of you who've been around for a while um, in my different programs who 
I think are really going to dig this. So if that's your thing, if you've if you've seen the light in terms of uh, how important copywriting is for any kind of marketing um, to ultimately work, then keep an eye uh, on your inbox for more news about that. So with all of that boring stuff out of the way, we're going to take a very quick break. And when we return, we're going to talk about what it takes to get yourself a billboard chart position. All right, back in a sec. You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto Podcast. Right, we are back. So as promised, we're going to be taking a uh, listener question momentarily. But before we do that, uh, I wanted to take a, a quick minute and catch up with a MMM podcast favorite, uh, Josh Solomon. Uh, Josh, thanks for thanks for taking a second to talk to us. How are you? I'm good, man. In a hotel here in Kansas City. On tour, feeling good. Very nice, very nice. Well, you uh, you were the guest on one of our absolute most favorited, uh, is, that, is that proper English, most popular uh, podcast episodes in which you, you talked about how uh, several years ago now you you. you got MMM, uh, some light bulbs went off, you went crazy embracing all of this marketing stuff, tested a million one combinations and developed a system for selling your music that a few years ago landed you on, I think it was nine different billboard charts simultaneously, you sold something, you, you took an album that had initially only sold a couple hundred copies and bumped that number up to something around 9,000. But uh, you've been continuing to kick ass, and I know you put out a an album fairly recently. I, I'm, we meant to do this uh, a few months back, but we didn't get around to it. Uh, but I, I wanted to share that story because it's it's pretty exciting. So get us up to speed. Your band is the Empty Pockets. You've put out another album using the these direct to fan strategies that we focus on around here. And what happened? Yeah, we put out three albums now using that. The most recent was a Christmas album. And just mostly through sending emails out to my email list, which still amazes me. Uh, I don't want to downplay it and say it's so easy, but it feels free, even though it's not right, completely right. free, right? I pay for, you know, my email service provider, but I just sent up about 15, 16 emails, uh, spent a few hundred dollars on uh, Facebook ads, and we sold almost 2,000 copies of our Christmas album. Nice. Uh, which, which charted us on Billboard. I think I think everybody who who listens to this, John, would would like to know that like the magic number is eight fifty. Eight fifty. It starts with eight hundred and fifty to really, not necessarily guarantee, but almost guarantee you'll chart if you can get eight hundred and fifty scannable units. Um, you know, that's where the fun begins on Billboard. Yeah, I will I will say from just dealing with different artists and different charts, I think that number varies a lot depending on the chart. Um, certainly with some niches, I've seen it happen with as little as three or 400, and then other charts, it takes more like two or 3,000, and it, it really depends. But certainly that's a, that's a good solid number. I'm talking about the Heat Seekers chart. Ah, Heat Seekers so specifically. any genre, and if you've never been on the Billboard 200, which none of us have essentially, 850 will get you on that heat seekers chart. And one, what I like about that chart and why I focus on it for artists like me and others is because it actually prints in the magazine as well, right, which right. I just think is a cool little addition. 
Um, I think every musician has that fantasy of having having that framed uh, page right out of the Billboard magazine on their wall. Um, and I think, but I think that's a that's a very cool number. Uh, Two thousand CDs, essentially, as you said, sort of, kind of for free, and in that you didn't have to do any real additional marketing you put it out to that list to that asset that you've you've been working to create over the years and and again that's one of the things that we try to really stress here this isn't just about that initial subscriber and the cost that went into that when you when you invest in building that list and getting subscribers you are you're buying yourself a fan base for many many years to come oh, yeah. and, and that was 100% or, or by the sound of it, pretty close to it anyway, uh, profit uh, just off of that, that list. Yeah, you know, it, I, I, it is you know, worth mentioning that when I've made albums in the past, which I think a lot of people do it like this, you essentially are thinking spending money. How much money can I spend recording? Can I right. get $10,000 together? Right. Can I get $15,000 together? This album, almost for the first time with me, was the reverse of that. It was, are we going to profit $10,000? Are we going to profit twelve? <laughs> right. You know, I... I, I that that's a such a free game changer. Even artistically, I know we, you and I talk marketing a lot and business, but they're all connected. Is what's so exciting to me. And once you know the marketing strategy going into the album process, I, I thought that fundamentally changed how how we're making records now. Sure, because sure. you know it's not like a, it doesn't feel as much. The vanity isn't there as much. I don't know if that word makes sense here for you. Well, I think uh, it's I think it's an artistic or creative or artist's example of the old marketing adage, which uh, you hear it a lot in marketing and business circles. Don't create a product and then go and find a market for it. Find a market and then create a product for it. And with music, we can't really approach it that way because you know we are artists, and that's what this is about. We're creating because of some inner voice that tells us you know that we've we've got something that we've got to share with the world or express in some way so it, it's we we can't really come you know go and whore ourselves out like uh, and just make something for the masses or else it'll it'll have no soul and nobody will really want to hear it however the the i think the realistic um uh, a realistic example of that or expression of that is what you just described you've now got a market and you've got a relationship with them you know how they're vibing with your music and and the anticipation and expectation of those sales kind of goes into the uh you know it's it's a factor in the creative process because right out of the gate you you can bank on a certain amount of return because you've now it, built exactly. that list exactly and what's so exciting about my last release and now going into another release this year is uh, using the same techniques I've been using and I've talked to you about on these podcasts, my list is now 47,000. You know, oh, it was wow. 25, 30,000 yeah. on my last release. So it, I keep thinking each time I ratchet it up, wow, this is going to be even bigger. And it, it's really not magic. It's just a numbers game. Sure. You know? Yeah. For sure, for sure. Well, I, I think that's a I think that that's a fantastic story, and those are some great numbers. But because it has been a while since we did that original podcast, that that album that you kind of skipped over in between the Christmas album and the album that appeared on what was it episode number I don't know seventeen or eighteen something like that. Voices, yeah, that album we sold almost five thousand copies in the first week. It appeared on I, ten or twelve Billboard charts. Um, well, the thing yeah, the I mean, thing that was most impressive about that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I think I've restated this or, or misstated this once or twice, but you hit number 40, was it, of best-selling albums in America or, or something like that? Yeah. Well, no, that's correct. 
number 40. It blew my mind. Now, I will say the caveat, you know, it's albums. That's full albums. Sure. That's only full albums. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of singles. There's a lot of consumption going on, like on Spotify. But still, I'm not apologizing. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no. For the 40th best-selling album in America, not sorted by genre, not, you know, no handicaps included. I'm yeah. very proud of that. I think it's insane. And, you know, we take our victories as artists in any way we can. And, and while we're not trying to overhype those numbers and make it sound like that was 500,000 albums sold, because it certainly wasn't, it was it was very profitable. And uh, uh, to just the sheer fact that of all of the artists in the world, you know, or in a, sorry, in America, you were uh, the, what was it? 38, 39? What was the it actual was number? 40th, um, oh, it was 40th. It was 40th on uh, top albums chart. Right. So the billboard has so many charts, you know, John, this is something you said to me when I first spoke to you. And now I think it's more true than ever is there isn't a ceiling necessarily, or we don't know what the ceiling is to how much this can grow. I, think you could do 500,000 copies. You just need the right customer base. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I have no doubts about it. And I think I think that there's a little bit of confusion too. And I think it's just the nature of online marketing courses such as Music Marketing Manifesto. Um, there's a lot of hype and a lot of promises. And we forget that this is really just business. This the, the MMM strategy is a direct fan marketing strategy. We drive traffic, we capture leads, we build a relationship, and we ask those people to support us over the course of not just one year, but many years through small purchases um, and buying tickets and merch and the, and the rest of it. But that doesn't mean that that's all that's going on or that this is some internet hack or anything like that. We're a business and we're just using a marketing model that is direct to fan as opposed to branding. And there's really no reason that you can't grow that brand step by step by step and getting bigger and bigger and touring into uh, going into more and more markets and expanding, expanding, expanding until you're hitting 500,000 and, and uh, units or whatever that number might be. Um, and and I, I think you're kind of doing that, aren't you? I mean, I know that you talked yeah, about... I, I just I just placed for the first time ever a 10,000 uh, unit order. We wow. ordered 10,000 CDs at the same time, bringing the unit cost down to 57 cents. That's amazing. Uh, I, I don't even think most major labels these days, unless you're in a Dell or something, where they yeah, can really bang it. Yeah, I don't think they're placing orders like that. That's 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 incredible. So I'm excited, man. And, and you know, it's really rinse and repeat. Yeah. You know, it's. We're always writing an album, essentially, because that's what I do. I write songs. But when I say rinse and repeat, I mean we continue to grow the list through all the releases. We're still running a version of the MMM system. That's um, great. And that's why you know that we're creeping towards fifty thousand on an email list. That Facebook page is up towards twenty five thousand. Um, you know, we're growing that customer base. That's very cool. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I just kind of wanted to catch everybody up. If you haven't heard the uh, the the sort of more featured uh, guest spot that uh, Josh did telling you his more complete story, then you definitely want to check out that episode. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the mechanics of charting here in just a second. But uh, as I said, I just kind of thought it'd be fun to do a little catch up and hear what was going on because I know that uh, your story was incredibly popular with uh, podcast listeners. So, so thanks for taking time and uh, we'll have to catch up again uh, after the next album comes out and, and have you on as a guest again and, and really walk people through what I know is going to be your next success thanks man it's always a pleasure Come on. I'll talk to you later take care
All right. Once again, that was Josh Solomon from The Empty Pockets. And uh, that episode, by the way, I was wrong there in that little blurb that you heard. It's episode number 22. So if you haven't heard that, head on over to musicmarketingmanifesto.com or better yet, head on over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, search for episode number 22. And you can hear Josh's complete story and how he kind of went through a bit of a a transformation and embraced uh, a fundamental marketing strategy that he learned right here at Music Marketing Manifesto and is really kicking butt with it, uh, as you just heard. So um, with that out of the way, with that little uh, that little catch up out of the way, we're going to take a question that came in from a listener that also has to do with charting on billboards. So without further ado, we're just going to sit back and listen to that question that came in and uh, we'll we'll meet back here in a sec to to uh, see if we can't find an answer for her. All right, here we go. Hey, John, my name is Jenny Rebecca, and I just bought your MMM 4.0, and I'm super, super excited. Um, I am, I just put out my first album in October and um, did my own sort of pre launch campaign, learning all the basics um, for with a Kickstarter, um, and was able to raise like $20,000, which was incredible. But at the time when I did the Kickstarter, um, I obviously didn't know about MMM and you are seriously blowing my mind and changing my life. And I'm so excited to implement all the things, but I was curious and maybe I just haven't gotten to this point in within MMM yet as I'm trying to like set up all these things. But, um, with the Kickstarter, for example, you know, uh, people pre-ordered the album through the Kickstarter and I just like gave them a download through Dropbox. And I'm wondering how is it that people can actually chart with their music by having the purchase available through the website and through just PayPal? Um, is that something that is available through CD Baby only? Or is it through TuneCore? Um, I'm just not really clear on, on that step of the process. Um, and maybe it's, maybe you've said it already and I just haven't gotten there yet, but, um, I'm wondering if it's not purchased through iTunes, how do people actually get to be charted? Um, it's a part of the process that I just am not really clear on yet. So that is something that I would love to hear more about so that I can make sure that every single purchase, even if it's like, um, an upsale purchase, um, that that somehow goes towards the charting, if that's possible. Anyway, you're amazing. All right. Well, um, first off, thank you so much for the kind words. Really appreciate that. And glad you're, glad you're enjoying Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0. Um, I believe you will, you will come upon this information a little bit later in the course if you haven't already, but I think this is a great question. It's certainly one I, I receive a lot of emails about. And so I thought we'd take a moment to not only answer it here on the podcast, but also, um, take it as an opportunity to just kind of talk about charting the pros, the cons, uh, how it all works and what it takes and and the rest of it so um you if you've bought mmm if you've ever gone through any of my be it free stuff paid stuff the podcast uh then you certainly know i'm a big proponent of the sales model as opposed to the streaming model and what that means is that we uh or i should say more specifically a direct to fan marketing model and what that means is we go out we drive traffic we capture leads in, in other words we 
build a giant mailing list. We form a relationship. We use automation tools to form a relationship with those subscribers. And then we eventually ask for the sale. We ask for a little bit of financial support uh, periodically throughout the year and the years to come. And we generate a lot of money off of a relatively small number of people, at least compared to mainstream artists who generate a very small amount of money, sometimes fractions of a penny on a very large number of people. Now, you can do that. You can use those branding strategies that the the major labels are using um, but you 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 they're very expensive and in order to make those profitable you need to have a massive audience and again that's very expensive most independent artists are certainly not starting there we have a very small amount of money but we can use that and a little bit of uh, blood sweat and tears to uh, build a, a strong solid fan base of maybe a few thousand people and if you do it right you can generate a significant amount of money from a small audience if you embrace a sales model. And one of the sort of career benchmarks in that process is charting. Uh, It's not that charting is essential for your success, but it does tend to open doors. It's a nice talking point. It gives you some well-deserved bragging rights. Uh, And yeah, I think more than anything, when trying to attract uh, maybe booking agents, shows, things like that, uh, certainly if you are going for radio, uh, having a, a, a chart position to sort of start the conversation with is a valuable thing. And it doesn't take much if you're going to be selling those albums anyway. Why not try to make them count uh, towards a chart? To do that, those sales need to be recorded by SoundScan, which of course is owned by Nielsen. Um, and it's not as easy as you'd think to get those sales recorded, particularly if you're selling through your own website, which again is what I advocate because you make the most money when you do it that way. Um Certainly when you go through a site like CD Baby, I'm a CD Baby fan, so I haven't gone through TuneCore, but I I can only assume they're the same, that those sales will get recorded and uh, will count towards a chart position. Um, But when you're selling through, say, PayPal or through your own site or even something like uh, Kickstarter, that's not the case. You need to report those sales. And in order to report those sales directly to Nielsen, you need to pay quite a lot of money. I actually, I don't know if, I don't remember off the top of my head how much it is, but I think to register, I think it's something in the ballpark of around $500 a year or something like that, which, you know, really doesn't make a a lot of sense for a lot of independent artists. Fortunately, there's a service uh, called Indie Hitmaker, I-N-D-I-E Hitmaker. Uh, They're the only one that, uh, only service of its kind that I personally know about, and you can register with them. Uh, I'm not looking at the pricing, but it's very affordable, and uh, you, they, they kind of essentially act uh, sort of like a record label. You sign up with them, and they report your sales for you. You have to turn in sales to them, and there's you know, some kind of a, a a simple review process and they make sure everything is on the up and up so you can't go in and, you know, report fake sales and things like that. Uh, but it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty easy and it's very affordable. And again, that's IndieHitMaker.com. Uh, I've had uh, a number of conversations with them. They're sort of friends of MMM and MMM is friends of Indie Hitmaker. And uh, it's it's a no-brainer service if you want to get those uh, those sales to count towards a potential chart position. So the process itself, the mechanics are fairly similar, and, and I've just explained how to do it. But it does kind of, you know, I suppose, spark a bigger debate or conversation about 
the merits of charting, the value of charting, does it matter? Do we do do you need to chart? Um, what what how is how is going to the trouble of reporting those sales going to help you? Could it possibly hurt you? So uh, I'm sure if you asked a uh, hundred people you know, what they thought about this, you'd get, well, I was going to say a hundred different answers, but that's probably not true. You'd probably get a couple of different answers. Um, but I, you know, I'm kind of lukewarm in, in all honesty on the whole thing. I don't think that it's essential, but I do think it's kind of a nice thing, particularly if you know that you've got the audience and you think uh, that you, you stand a good chance of selling three, four, five, six, seven hundred copies within the first week. Now, if you if you sort of window, uh, as we've referred to in past podcast episodes and in MMM, if uh, it means basically staggering the release of your album uh, through different sort of media mediums, platforms, modalities, uh, if you window the release of your album, uh, and what that means in practical terms for most of us is pre-releasing it to your existing audience uh, initially, you have a good, uh, in most cases, uh, I think you can theoretically have quite a long time if you want it, but it doesn't make sense usually to start uh, marketing the album too far in advance. So that usually means we have a few weeks to a few months to pre-sell that album and and get those numbers up there. And if, again, if you have an audience of three, 4,000 people, uh, a mailing list that is, uh, you stand a really good chance of, of making the kind of numbers that it's going to take to lend you uh, a billboard position. And certainly this last year has seen many, many uh, MMM students, customers, whatever you want to call call these guys, uh, uh, report in with chart positions. It's been really, 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 really fantastic to see. Um, so the long and short of it, in my opinion, is if if you if you think you can make the sales, then why not register? There's really no downside uh, unless unless your sales numbers are not impressive and you're concerned about that. But I really wouldn't be concerned about that either. I, I think there's a, a solid argument for none of this stuff really matters if you embrace the direct to fan model that's kind of the beauty of this. Uh, it really doesn't matter what other people think or what outward. Uh, appearances you have, all that matters is your ability to make sales and the, the numbers sort of speak for themselves. I have this happen a lot. I know I remember Josh, who we just spoke with earlier, mentioning it uh, as well. Like he'd get, he'd, he'd have some people challenge uh, the the numbers that we expressed on the podcast because um, what's this? You have hardly any uh, Spotify traction, and that's because he's not embracing Spotify. Or I've had it. Uh, I've I've been challenged for very little YouTube uh, uh, traction because I don't use YouTube, <laughs> and you don't really need to with direct to fan. Again, it all the the entire process, the entire relationship, all everything that matters is. Uh, taking place directly with that mailing list and the proof is in, is in the sales and that's kind of all that matters. Um, so you can, and I think it's fair to take a punk rock attitude about the whole charting thing and say, who cares? I, none of that really matters. Now that said, if you, if you, if you are trying to build your brand, I think that um, landing a few chart positions and making that part of the story is certainly not going to hurt. It's going to, uh, again, open doors, get some folks to take you seriously, give you a nice uh, couple of talking points. Um, and, you know, it, it is generally a, a nice thing. So those are kind of the 
two two sides of the coin. I'm kind of somewhere right in the middle. I don't think it matters, but uh, if you have the potential to chart, then why not do it? Um, and certainly, I know from talking to MMR, uh, MMM, <laughs> I can't even say the name of my own company, but if, from talking to many MMM <laughs> uh, artists who have uh, who have landed these billboard charts, they've certainly all re- reported uh, you know an increase in gigs and things like that, and uh, and it helps you fluff out that squeeze page and entice fans all the more. So why not do it? So again, if uh, again we have no official uh, affiliation with them whatsoever, just just a fan of the company, IndieHitMaker.com. They may they've made it easy for artists to uh, report their sales, the sales that happen directly on their own websites uh, through their own payment processing systems to SoundScan without going and needing to spend. $500 a year or whatever the current price might be. I might be way off there, so don't quote me on that. Um, so that's it. Just kind of a, a, a short and fun one today, but hopefully that uh, clears things up for a lot of people who've been wondering, you know, how do I chart if I'm not selling through iTunes or CD Baby or TuneCore or, you know, one of the traditional outlets? That's how you do it. And again, take it all with a grain of salt, uh, but do do be aware that it's all, it's all within your reach uh, when you... Uh, properly execute a a direct-to-fan marketing strategy like the one uh, taught in my course, Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0, which, of course, you can can learn more about here on the site. If you're not listening to this podcast on the site, then, of course, you head on over to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and uh, click on Manifesto there in the nav bar, and there's a page there that tells you everything that you need to know about the course. Uh, All right, thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this lesson. As always, if you have enjoyed it, Uh, Please leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to the podcast. Those things really help. And if you're not already on the MMM mailing list, then head on over to our site, again, musicmarketingmanifesto.com, and uh, sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint and uh, watch watch a free 40-minute presentation about uh, the, the very strategy that we've been talking about today. All right. Thanks for listening. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how you can market your music using the direct-to-fan strategies discussed on this show, then head on over to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Once again, that's musicmarketingmanifesto.com.